This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we're going to have a good time tonight. I've got some encouragement for you that I believe the Lord uh, wants us to hear tonight. So the title of the message this evening is this, Remain Faithful. Remain Faithful. And, you know, we know that the Lord has, uh, He's remained faithful to us, is that right? Yeah, I think that we owe him the same courtesy, but we're going to get into this and break it down a little bit. And I want to I want to encourage us tonight, but I also want to challenge us to, to you know, examine our lives. And I'm examining my life and I can tell you, man, I've had so many people talking to me this week uh, about, hey, they're examining their lives right now and saying, Lord, where, where where do I need to do better? What can I do to step it up for you? Because I don't feel like I'm there yet. And that's a good spot to be in because we should we should be uh, satisfied. We should be thankful in a lot of areas, but we should always be wanting more of God. You know, I, I've never I'm never satisfied. I've never been satisfied uh, with saying, you know what? I'm good, God. I've got enough of you. I don't think I can handle anymore. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, you should always. You should always leave your Bible time saying, man, I wish I could just read a little bit longer. You should always leave prayer time saying, man, I could have just prayed for a few more minutes. You should leave church saying, man, he should have kept preaching. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you know, you don't say it, though. So uh, so it would be great, man, if we were at this level where we said, you know what? I've got to have more of God. I'm just not satisfied. And so I want us to examine our lives tonight about how we should remain faithful to the Lord. Because I know in my life, He's remained faithful to me, even when I feel I didn't deserve it. And so, the first thing we're going to say tonight is this. Number one, remain faithful because, hey, I owe it to God. I Listen, there's no way in this world that I could ever pay Him back for what He's done for me, okay? There's not no way. I mean, He saved me from hell. That's a pretty big deal. You can't put a price tag on that. Uh, he, he saved me from cancer. He's restored my life in so many ways. Listen, there, I, 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 there's no way I could pay him back, okay? There's no, there's no dollar amount. There's no amount of work that I could do to just pay him back. But I can do this. I can remain faithful to him and give him the best of what I've got. You know what I mean? And so we, we look at our lives and sometimes, you know, I, I've heard this phrase, you know, I can't pay him back. All I can do is give you my entire life. Well, that'll do. I mean, just give him your whole life. And what does that mean? That's saying, God, you can have access to every department of my life. You want access to my finances? Hey, it's yours. You gave them to me in the first place. Why not just let you do what you want to do with them? You want access to, to what I watch on TV? You, fine. Hey, come in. Examine me. Judge me, God. Come on. Let's do this. You, you need to get to the place, we all do, where nothing is off limits to God. We say, God, listen. It, you, you're welcome to every room of this house. And it seems like sometimes, you know, any of you, you have uh, maybe that, that junk room where you don't want the guests to go into. You just toss stuff there because, hey, you know, and, uh, and so I know we have a junk drawer. Everybody has at least a junk drawer where, you know, you just toss stuff there. Well, I know that if I had a VIP guest coming to my house, right, if I had, I mean, heck, if I had any, anybody coming to my there's some departments where you're like, I, I, let's just not go into that room. Let's ignore it. There's stuff in there. You don't, you know, eh, it's a mess. But we all keep the main parts clean, right? The living room and the kitchen and whatnot. 
But listen to me. We have got to get to this place where we say, God, you can go into any room of my life, any department. And if something needs fixed, hey, you tell me and I'll take care of that. King David wrote in Psalm 139. It's a beautiful chapter. He wrote he wrote so much in Psalm 139. But the very end of it, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. He's, what he's saying is, God, judge me, examine me, Lord. Point out anything in me that that offends you. God, tell me where I'm going wrong. And and that's that's the right heart to have, because a lot of us were like, God, listen, just bless me. Bless what I'm doing. But come on, just, you know, just just back off. I, I don't want you to tell me where I'm going wrong. I don't want to feel I don't want to feel, you know, the listen, we've got to get to this place where we say, God, this whole life is yours because it's all I can give you. If I could give you more, I would. But all I can give is my entire life. That's what it means to be a disciple. And that's a whole other teaching that I'm not going to get into right now. But listen, we've got to get to this place where nothing is held back because I owe it all to God Almighty. I wouldn't. And, and you do, too. I know that it, uh, there's no way I'd be alive if it wasn't for him right now. But uh, I want to look at Matthew chapter 21. Let's flip over there. Matthew chapter 21. But, you know, it breaks my heart. I know people that God has healed of, I mean, deadly diseases. He's rescued them from insurmountable odds. He, I mean, he's gotten them a dream job that they weren't even qualified for, maybe. Uh, I mean, he, he's restored their marriage or their family. I've seen, and you have too, God just absolutely come through and move mountains for people. And he's done it in your life. But the saddest thing that I see is when God comes in and moves a mountain for somebody and then they barely give him the time of day after that. They, they use him when they need him. That's not being faithful. That's, you know, I mean, come on, that, that's, that's not being a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. And I know none of you are like that. I'm just saying that there are people like that where they, you know, they find themselves down into the ditch and they're in need of a miracle or they're going under. And sure enough, because God's so faithful, he comes through for them. But then they get what they wanted and then they're on their way. Come on. That's that. that he didn't do that to us. And so we've got to get a hold of this. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to start here at verse 28. And here's a story Jesus told. He said, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. So the man slapped him in the face. Well, he should have, but that's not what happened. So, no, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Okay, so at first he says no, but in the end he obeys. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. I will go. But he did not go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. What? Where'd that come from? That's pretty hardcore. So, I mean, but check this out. Jesus is saying, listen. And and this is a great, he's especially talking to the people of Israel here. I mean, they were called of God before anybody else. They were, and, and a lot of us, listen, God has, all of us, God has a call in our life. And a lot of us, we say, Lord, here am I, send me, I will do whatever you say to do. You are my Lord. Then he's like, okay, good. Can you go out and do this for me? Uh, no, I can't do that because that would require me giving up this. 
that would require me doing this over here. And, you know, I don't like those people. So, no, I'm not going to go. No, that would that would mean that I got to I've got to sacrifice some more of my time or my money. And that absolutely not. But you are my Lord. And he's saying. What? You know, I'm not your Lord. And then yet yeah, there's this other group of people. A lot of us that we started off as little stinkers, right? I mean, we did not have it together. We did not. We weren't that good of a little boys and girls. But in the end, we did come through and we did say, you know what, Lord? At first I said no, but now I'm yielding to you and I am going to go. Jesus said right there. That's the obedient child right there. But what about these other people? Jesus made what I think one of the most hardcore statements that he ever made. He said, you guys, that, that, that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even remain faithful to me. You wouldn't even do me the favor of going out and giving me one day of work. You wouldn't even sacrifice one afternoon for me. I'll tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes are going to heaven before you are. Like, whoa. So apparently Jesus really doesn't like it when we make a commitment to him. And then in the end, back out. And we've all been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. And you've been guilty of it. But check it out. That's a pretty hardcore thing to say right there that, hey, prostitutes and uh, they're, they're going to get to heaven before you do. Like, whoa, that is, that's hardcore right there. But Jesus is very, very passionate about the topic of keeping your word to him. In fact, he said in the book of Luke, anybody that puts a hand to the plow or, you know, commits to working for Jesus, commits to giving their life to him and then looks back. Jesus said they're not fit for the kingdom of God. Like They don't even fit for the kingdom of God. If we make a commitment to him and then back out on it, he says, you're not even fit for the kingdom of God. What are you talking about? I don't know. We're not here tonight to make everybody feel bad. I'm just like, let's examine ourselves, because is there some area that I committed to Jesus and then I backed out on? Pastor Dave Samples, is there? I mean, only I can answer that. You can answer that for me, but uh, you can answer for your own life. Look at your life. Is there an area where you said, Jesus, yes, and then you didn't, or then you stopped? You didn't remain faithful. I mean, come on, we've all got to look at our lives here, because I know that we live in a generation that does not know a whole lot about faithfulness. Well, I mean, I... I've got I've got friends that I went to high school with that are on their third marriage. That huh? I'm not being mean, but come on, that's not very faithful. That something's messed up there. If you're 30 years old and you've already been married three times, then if that offends you, I'm sorry, but something went wrong there. Something went wrong there because you stood before God and a preacher at an altar, and you said, you know, I'm, I'm making these vows before God right here, and then apparently it, that didn't mean very much to you. Not, not Again, not making fun of anybody, but I'm just saying I know that so, something about the topic of faithfulness has gotten lost somewhere on this generation. We make a commitment. We, we, we become a member of a church. We, you know, we, we, we take, uh, take a job, and then it's the fourth job we've had this year because, you know, well, they don't treat me right. I've worked with this guy at FedEx and a uh, nice guy, but it was a part time job. OK, let's get real. We pushed boxes for three hours a day. They could have hired monkeys to do our job. We're fortunate that we even had this job still. OK, so a box comes down the conveyor belt. And if it says your city's name on it, do this. If it doesn't say your city's name on it, you do this. It's not rocket science. A monkey could do this. 
So my area was Burbank. So if a box says Burbank, I shove. And that's it. I mean, it's really not that, not, not, that, not that hard. But this guy, he, he comes in and he lasts about three weeks on the job. He's like, I can't take them, man. These people are slave drivers. They're, they don't know. Oh, they're, they're awful. We were, here we go. I worked two and a half hours and I didn't get a break. I'm like, you know, I mean, I was on break the whole time I was there. I, I, I just, I did this. Like, that's not that hard, brother. And, and he's like, I can't take that. I'm out of here. Yeah. Like, bro, chill out, man. Take some of that passion and go cure a disease or something. But uh, it's not worth getting mad at a box over. But we have a generation that just doesn't know a whole lot about faithfulness. And sadly, what starts in one area of our lives will carry over to every other area. And it's highly unlikely if you can't remain faithful to God that you can remain faithful to anything else. I don't I don't see how you can really remain totally faithful to a spouse. Uh, to a job, to your children, to whatever the case is, if you don't even take your relationship with God that serious, how likely is it that you're going to be just known as being, that's Mr. Faithful right there. He's faithful to everything that he does, except for God. I've, I've never seen anybody like that. Uh, I've seen that if you're not faithful to God, it's unlikely that you're faithful in, in very many other areas. And so, God takes this faithful topic very seriously. And why was why did Jesus get all up in arms about this? Why why did he blow up at these people right here and say that prostitutes are going to heaven before you do? Because Jesus knows what it's like to have somebody you love very much not keep their word to you. It hurts, doesn't it? I mean, I I have people lie to me every day. I work at a church, and you're like, what does that mean? I Man, people call fifty times a day telling me made up lie stories every day. Every day. And you're like, are you serious? Every day. 365 days a year, someone calls me and tell, like, I mean, and I've been duped. I'm a pretty gullible guy. So usually I, you know, I, I, I've given people money only to find out it was a lie. I, I've gone out and bought groceries. And I'm not, I'm not tooting my horn. I'm saying I was really stupid and didn't check things out. But I've taken advantage of many times because people just call. But in the end, like, I don't really care that much. You know, I don't, I really don't know you. I had no idea you were lying to me, whatever. But, when someone I really love lies to me, that hurts on a whole other level. I'm like, ow, that actually hurt, man. Why'd you do that? I love you. Why do you have to lie? You could have just been up front with me. So Jesus, God Almighty, he knows what it's like to have somebody that you thought you could count on. Turns out you couldn't count on them. Because if you look at the Old Testament, the children of Israel were notorious for being unfaithful to God. He would he would bail him out of a situation. He would part the Red Sea. He would he he would hold the Jordan River back so they could walk across the Jordan. He would bring the walls of Jericho down. He would do miracle after miracle. And I mean, within a short amount of time, they were out there making their own idols. They were they were molding a a cow out of their earrings and calling it Baal and saying, Baal, you rescued us from the Egyptians. What? I mean, come on, it, it, it got really messed up. And God got so fed up with their unfaithfulness, with their not being loyal, that he, he had to prove a point. And so he gave the prophet Hosea, I think, probably the worst calling in the history of the world. I, seriously, I mean, I've, I've seen some people like, you know, God calls them to some remote part of the world. They're like, yes, Lord, I will go. And I'm sitting there like, man, thank you, Jesus, that I... That I live in the USA and I, you know, I can go to Burger King and I can go to Del Taco because it's awesome, man. I love, I love my calling. But Hosea didn't have it so good. 
God wanted to prove a point to the people of Israel. And so he said, Hosea, I need you to marry a prostitute. This is your calling. This is the Lord speaking. And he's like, okay. And to top it off, her name was Gomer. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many red flags here. If you meet a female named Gomer, I really hope you, maybe you know one, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that was what, it wasn't good. You could tell there was warning flags all over this. This was not going to end well. But God knew it was going to end well. And so the, the reason for this is God knew that Gomer was going to be unfaithful to Hosea and he was going to use this as an example to the people of Israel. And so sure enough, Hosea gives his heart to Gomer. He, he's like, everything that I have is yours. I love you, baby. I love you, babe. You're my girl. <laughs> you know, it was awful. And so, and so, you know, he, he lays it all out there. And, and sure enough, shortly into the marriage, she takes off on him. Unfaithful. But then Hosea, he, he takes her back. You know, I love you. I forgive you. Then she does it again. And she keeps doing this over and over. I mean, who would have saw this coming? It was, no one saw it coming. Well, you, you saw it coming. But anyway, and so here we are again and again. She just keeps uh, he, he, he brings her back, forgives her, loves her, gives her another chance. She does it all over. It keeps going on and on and it breaks his heart. He actually loves Gomer. I don't know why, but he does. He loves Gomer and she keeps and he'll he'll take her back and, and forgive her. And everything I have is yours. All my blessing. It's all yours. And she does it again. And again and again. And God says, look at this right here, Israel. This is what you guys do to me. Everybody's mad at Gomer. You, they're, they're saying, Jose is such a nice guy. How could she do that to him? He's the nicest guy we've ever met. He doesn't deserve this. And God says, you guys are Gomer. You're Gomer. Because I love you. I take you back. I forgive you. Give you another chance to go out and cheat on me again. You come out and you promise I mean it this time. I, you know, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I am yours. You are my Lord. And then next week, you know, something got, you know, whatever. You're out there doing it. And so God says, listen, you all are Gomer and, and I'm Hosea. I'm the nice guy here. I'm the one getting the bad end of this deal. And it's an incredible story if you want to read the book of Hosea. So anyway, but what I'm saying is, I think that's why Jesus took this example, took this topic so seriously because he knew what it was like to be in this situation. But I can say this much. I thank God that he doesn't base his loyalty to me upon my loyalty to him. And one of the most, I mean, I'm not an emotional guy. I, I cried once back in the 90s, but it's been a minute. And uh, well, no, it's, it's happened since then. But Second uh, Timothy two thirteen. That can kind of get to my heart part a little bit. Second Timothy two thirteen. I want you to look at this because this is a beautiful verse. This is, a, I mean, it, it, it's the love of God wrapped up into one thing. Here, Second Timothy two thirteen. Second Timothy two thirteen. <clears throat> And of course, in the NLT, it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. At God's core, at his essence, he is faithful and he can't deny that he can't turn his back on who he is. 
And so even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. And I read that and I'm like, oh my God, I am sorry, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. You deserve better than what I've given you. You deserve more than what I've done for you. Yeah, I, I, I already know I can't pay you back. I know that much. But I've got to give you this whole life or else uh, I can't live with myself if I keep if I keep up like this. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. And so we talked a little bit about just giving Jesus all of our life, giving him everything we are. And I know none of us have been perfectly faithful to Jesus, though he has been perfectly faithful to us. But I'm just asking you tonight, if you see some ways that you could step it up, come on, man, let's let's do this. Let, let's let's examine ourselves and let's do better. I, this isn't a put down message. This is an encouragement message to say, hey, we could do better for Jesus. Wouldn't you like that? I mean, what what, what if you I, I'm all the time thinking about ways I could be a better parent. And I know you're probably doing the same thing like I oh, man, I got to do better than this. And and what if we what if we did the same? How could I be a better Christian? How could I be a better son to the father? How could I be a better daughter to my heavenly father? How could I do that? And uh, I'm telling you, man, when we get to that, when we get to that level where we just want to please God, things that seem so that used to seem so important, they're not important anymore. Man, I used to be like addicted to basketball. Seriously, I, 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 oh man, every game I could tell you the score. I could tell you everybody's averages. I mean, I played basketball probably four or five hours a day, six days a week. I loved basketball. And now, I mean, I watch maybe like two NBA games a year, if that. I don't, I mean, nothing against it. It's great. And there's nothing wrong with basketball. I don't really care anymore. I've got kids. I've got a wife. I've got hundreds of people in a church family. I, you know, I, I've, I've got 24 hours in a day and a lot of most of it's already taken up. I've got I, I need to give Jesus some of that time. I really don't care much about basketball anymore. And it used to be everything to me. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. And you'll find that that when you start giving Jesus more of your life, things that used to seem so important, it's like, who cares? There's people going to hell and I'm sitting here sitting here crying about who lost a basketball game? Come on. Nothing against basketball. I love it. It's awesome. But I'm just saying, it's not that important anymore. And so, we owe it to Jesus to be faithful. I I think that's the least we could do, is at least keep our word to Him and not make false promises. But the second thing I want to say is this. Number two, why is it so serious that we remain faithful? Because time is short. And we don't talk about this enough. I haven't talked about this lately. But time for real is short. We need the strongest, most loyal army that we've ever had. And I'm not talking about the United States military, though. We do need that better than ever. I'm talking about God's army. We need soldiers that are committed to the cause, that are willing to fight the good fight of faith in this day and age. And so I'm going to look over at Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. And if you're going to study the end times, here's the best place to start. Matthew 24. It's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus is walking with his disciples on the Mount of Olives. And he gives us a huge list of things to look for before he comes back. 
And I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible to read Matthew 24 because pretty much everything on there describes 2018. Describes the, the, the generation that we live in. But Matthew 24, and uh, it's also in Mark 11 and Luke 21, or excuse me, Mark 13 and Luke 21, but uh, Matthew 24 goes into the, the most in-depth about this. But Matthew 24, verses 10 through 12, Jesus talking about how it's going to be right before the end. Verse 12, he says, And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So Jesus said, one of the signs to look for before I come back is that many people are going to turn away from me. And it's like, what? How could that be? That's not fair. Because you said that you would never leave us or forsake us. You said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You said that I could be strong and courageous because the Lord my God is with me everywhere I go. So all over Scripture, Jesus, you've made these promises that you'll never turn your back on me. But you mean to tell me some of the very people that you committed your word and your life to, they're going to turn their backs on you, Jesus, and betray you? He said, that'll be a sign. And I can tell you this much. I've seen it. Have you seen it? Absolutely, man. man I, there's people that I went to Bible college with that are drunk in a ditch right now. Shacked up with someone they're not even married to. They're like, What? There's people that I studied how to be a pastor with for several years every day, pouring over scriptures, and they 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 don't they don't even they don't have Jesus in their life at all right now. Like, what, how could that be? Well, Jesus said it was going to happen. He said many are going to turn away from me, and they're going to betray, and they're going to hate each other. Verse eleven says, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. And that has for sure happened. I don't have time to go into that. Verse 12 says, Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. How could that happen? Well, your love for God's going to grow cold when you just don't do much with that relationship. Right? I mean, we, we've seen, Dr. Barclay's told the example, you could take a cup of hot, or, you know, of any temperature water, you stick it on a table, and if it was really hot, it's eventually just going to adjust to the temperature around it. It's not going to get any hotter. It's not going to get ice cold, but it's just going to get lukewarm, like Jesus talked about in Revelation 3. Or, I mean, this is very, in Barstow, come on, you have a cup of ice water, just stick it on the table, and what's going to happen? It's just going to, it's going to eventually, in a pretty short amount of time here, it's going to become the temperature of the environment around it. And it becomes lukewarm. And, and Jesus said in Revelation 3, he's like, listen, I, nobody likes lukewarm. He said, I'll spit that, I'll puke that out of my mouth. That's disgusting. And so he said that the love of many, it's going to grow cold. And so that means people that at one time were loving the Lord. People that at one time were talking about the Bible, they were serving in church, they were, they were tithers, they were loving God, they were, they were all these things, their love will grow cold. And there's nothing I hate more than, I, I mean, I count, we counsel lots of couples, praise God, that's, that's a good thing, that's, that's a good thing to do. But I hate it, I despise it, when someone comes in and says, nah, I just, I don't love him anymore, I don't love her anymore. 
He doesn't make me feel special. He doesn't. I'm like, that is not a basis for leaving your spouse. That's disgusting. Now, if you said, hey, he beats me, I'm like, hey, leave the bum. <laughs> you know, hey, he's, he's been unfaithful. He cheats. Like, get out of here. He's a bum. But but to say, no, nah, my love's grown cold. He doesn't excite me anymore. That's disgusting. What's wrong with you, man? That, that, as foul as that is in a marriage, how foul is that? When you've got someone that in a perfect relationship, Jesus could not be any more perfect than what he is. He could not get any better. He is as good as it gets. He loves us when we don't deserve it. He provides for us. He heals us. He's there for us in the middle of the night when we feel alone. He's everything, man. He's the deluxe package. But it says a lot of people, their love for Jesus is going to grow cold. How is that? That is messed up. And again, we've all we've all been there, but we're talking about the end is near. And Jesus said, well, hey, before I come back, this is how it's going to be. And so in examining our lives, your attitude is a good indicator of your level of faithfulness. That's where I would start looking is your attitude. Do you complain all the time, especially about the things of God? Come on, let's let's just let's let's examine ourselves. Do you complain about, you know, well, I know I signed up for this servant in the nursery. I hate it. It's awful. These little kids are punks. <laughs> Listen, that's awful. No, it's not me saying that. I'm just saying so, if that's your attitude, you're, on your, you're well on your way to being an unfaithful servant right there. Or if, or if like, man, another prayer meeting. Man, another service. Man, another this. Man, another that. If that's your attitude about the things of God, you're well on your way to unfaithfulness. It starts, and that's how it always started with the people of Israel. They never just woke up and said, you know what, let's just turn our backs on this God thing. No, they started complaining. Read the Old Testament. I don't have time to read it for you. You need to do this yourself. Start reading, study this, man. And look, every time that they wandered off from the things of God, it always started because they complained. Yeah, the food's not good around here anymore. Yeah, the Lord said, here we are and blah, blah, blah. They started complaining and it snowballed until they were eventually unfaithful to God. And that's how it is. That's how that's how that's how I see it so many times. And so how do you want to be found in your life when Jesus returns? You know, I, I think about this often. What am I going to be doing at that moment that Jesus comes back? You ever think about that? What I mean, what if, what if Jesus comes back and you're sitting there watching something on TV you shouldn't be watching? Like, Jesus, could you come back later? I need to go get myself right. What if Jesus comes back and you're in the middle of a fit of rage, yelling and screaming and cursing at your family, and then Jesus, the, you hear the trumpet, the clouds part, and here comes Jesus, and you're in the middle of cursing someone out. What if Jesus comes back, whatever the case is, or what if Jesus comes back and you're sitting here at High Desert Word Center in a church service? I'm like, man, I am ready. Let's do this now, Lord. You pick the best possible time. You know, what if you're on your knees praying? What if you're in the middle of singing a worship song? What if you're, you know, loving somebody that was just mean to you? How am I going to be found when Jesus comes back? What's that moment going to be like? Is it going to be a moment of shame or is it going to be a moment? I mean, I'm, you know, you're still going to heaven, even if you're doing something stupid at the moment. Okay, I'm not saying that. Well, depending on what it is. But anyway, you know, even so, but listen to me. Listen, 
It's not about, you know, you're losing your salvation over this. But I'm saying, what is it you're going to be doing? Are you going to be remaining faithful when he comes back? What is it you're going to be doing? And so I'm going to look here at Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14. Because it's recorded that in the middle of the tribulation, there are Christians that will die and go to heaven in the middle of the tribulation. Now, in my study of Scripture, I mean, you know, it's not worth debating, though I probably could debate you and win. Anyway, uh, but the thing is, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is going to be raptured before the great tribulation. I, that's what I believe. And, you know, people have different theories on that. But I believe that we're going to be raptured. But here in Revelation 7, we see a group of people that go to heaven in the middle of the tribulation. So that means that there are people that got, ended up getting things right with God, but they did not go in the rapture of the church. I, I, we must be talking about backslidden Christians here. Because, I mean, come on. I've studied Revelation. You can study it for yourself. But I know this much. If you've got things right with God and you've, you've been a faithful servant, you're going before the great tribulation starts. Yet we see some people that go in the middle of the tribulation and we see that undeniably almost everybody, because it is possible during the tribulation after the rapture for this seven year period, it is possible to receive Jesus into your heart and forgiveness of sins and end up going to heaven. But there's like a 99% chance that you're going to get murdered and die a martyr's death. There will be some that actually go all the way to the end and somehow don't die during the tribulation and uh, and receive Jesus. And then they'll anyway, that, but we're not getting into all that. But I want to go in the first load. OK, I don't want to be here for this seven year stuff, man, because it is going to be absolutely awful. Revelation predicts this one battle that's going to be so many people are going to die in this valley in Israel that blood is going to be knee deep. In, a, in an entire huge valley. I mean, the worst stuff you've ever seen in your life. I mean, you, worse than anything you can even imagine. Why would I risk anything for that? And so anyway, Revelation 7, verses 13 and 14. This is extremely interesting to me uh, of what we see here. Verse 13. Then one of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white? Where do they come from? So they're up in heaven. And, 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 and here's a group of people clothed in white. And I said to him, sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. So they died in the great tribulation, but they end up in heaven. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. Why did these people not go in the rapture? They either they were at one point saved. And then they walked away from God and just gave it all up because they wanted to go out and whatever, sleep around or whatever the case is, you know, you can fill in the blank. But at the same time, these are people that at one point had it right with God and just walked away. Or they could be in the very small minority that actually never were right with God, but end up getting saved in the tribulation. But apparently they were unfaithful servants. And that's why they're having to wash their robes. And get things right and, 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 and be in this situation. Hilton Sutton, uh, one of the great, uh, end times teachers, you know, Heather and Jose love Hilton Sutton and I do too. But I was reading one of his books about this exact 
verse here. And he said this verse suggests that these people already had robes of righteousness which they had soiled. Otherwise, why would they need to clean them? And so here we have a group of people again that they at one time probably committed everything to Jesus and then turned back on it. And here they were. The Lord loves them, but they did not go in the rapture. And midway through, something had to happen. I mean, that's, I can't even imagine. That's awful. But that's what happened. And so I challenge us with this. My closing thing will be Matthew 24. Let's go back to the Olivet Discourse of Matthew 24, where Jesus He's, he gives instructions. He's, he says, all this stuff's going to happen. Here's what you need to do. But Matthew 24, and we're going to look at verse 13. And so, again, tonight, this, this is not a make-you-feel-bad sermon. This is a Pastor Dave's examining his life, so you, you do the same too. <laughs> Matthew 24 and verse 13. So Jesus says, all, you know, all these bad things are going to happen. But verse 13, he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Those who remain faithful, those who endure, those who don't grow cold on me, those who don't turn their back, those who don't betray me, they're going to be all right, man. They're going to be saved from all this mess. They are going to make it. They're going to be all right. And so it all comes down to this. I personally believe that we owe it to Jesus to keep our word to him and remain faithful. And if we said, you're my Lord, then he's your Lord. Now, there's a lot of people that they're Christians, but Jesus is no two ways about it. He's not their Lord, and they're definitely not a disciple of Jesus. They'll go to heaven. They'll still go to heaven. They, you know, they received the Lord, but they're not a, they, they received him as their savior, but he's definitely not their Lord because they don't do what he says. And, uh, and disciples lay down their life for Jesus. They'd give anything up. And I know some people that are millionaires, but they wouldn't give up, you know, $10 for Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, it's not about money, but it is about would you sacrifice? The, a disciple will sacrifice someone that's not a disciple. They love Jesus and they love his inspiration, but they, they're not willing to like give up stuff for him. But anyway, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so we do owe it to Jesus to remain faithful because he's stayed faithful to us. And believe me, there have been times that I did not deserve it. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and maybe assume that there's been times you didn't deserve it. I don't know. Maybe you have always been perfect, but there's a chance that maybe you haven't deserved his love and faithfulness. And the reason it's so important now more so than ever is because time is very short. And, uh, you know, there's so many things we could go into, but the biggest thing that's happened in my lifetime happened in December of 2017 when Jerusalem started being recognized as the capital of Israel again you have no idea you have you have no idea how huge that is i didn't think it would happen in my i didn't know if it would happen in my lifetime i i doubted it but it actually happened so anyway there's a lot we could study on this so much to study on this but we don't have time tonight but i'm saying listen Jerusalem is being recognized as the capital of Israel again that's one of the biggest things. And I've already shared this, too, that I, I've even read credible news articles about Israel getting bids and looking at rebuilding Solomon's temple on the Mount of Olives. You have no idea what that means. That is so huge. I really believe Jesus is coming back soon. 
and I do not want to be found unfaithful. I don't want to be playing Xbox in my underwear, eating Doritos on a Sunday morning and Jesus show up. How embarrassing is that? And so, come on, let's remain faithful. Amen. I better stop. It's getting, it's getting weird now. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.